How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Chiefs for Wednesday, September 7th. I'm Ryan Tracy. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you for listening. We have a big show for you. We have the man, the blog father himself from Arrowhead Pride, Joel Thorman, joins us in just a little bit. Before we get to that, though, we want to ask you, go out and take a listen to Locked On NFL. It's really the big show for Locked On Network, and Matt Williamson runs it. And when you're going out to go look at Locked On NFL, go also go take a look at Locked On Fantasy Football. Uh, We know that you guys play fantasy football. Go take advantage of Vinny Iyer's insight uh, on Locked On Fantasy Football. And we want to take a minute and thank you guys for listening. We're starting our fourth week on Locked On Chiefs. It's been going really well, and we appreciate you listening. You know, spread the word. Let 10 of your friends know and ask them to tell 10 of their friends. Uh, We're really gaining some ground here. We've got some great guests coming for you, so we want to keep the momentum going. And if you subscribe, the way that we record and do our schedule, you'll get the episodes a little bit early. And you'll have them before you have to go into work or anything like that. So hit the subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever works for you, and you'll get the episodes early. And now for the Wednesday's Red and Gold Report. So the big piece of news is we just talked about yesterday. Rameek Wilson and Jordan Davey were let go uh, to make some moves. And uh, what do you know? They both made it through waivers, and they're back. Yeah, I'm really surprised that Rameek Wilson made it through waivers, but... Uh, he hasn't shown a lot in his career, and you know it's really hard to see a lot of teams passing on somebody that they've already seen uh, regularly for the past you know couple months. So uh, it's a good thing Kansas City got him back. Maybe they can turn him into somebody that they can develop a little bit further, and maybe he can become a contributor down the road. Yeah, especially knowing that he's had some experience and he started some games in this league. Um, you know, he got passed up by a guy who's a superior athlete. Uh, but maybe he can continue his development. And same thing for Davey. You know, young guys uh, are the only ones eligible for the practice squad for a reason, so they have a chance to continue to grow. Unfortunately for you, that means the loss of Shaq Randolph. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. I really like his athleticism, what he brings. You know, I haven't seen him land anywhere else yet, so we'll see what happens. He may, uh, He may not be done with this team yet. Well, yeah, and they could always bring him back throughout the off or throughout the season or throughout the off season, uh, and bring him back next year. They're going to need some safeties again, so uh, it's possible that he could end up back in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. If not, best of luck to him. With the release of Shaq Randolph and another practice squad player, they were able to go out and sign two other cornerbacks to their practice squad: Terrence Mitchell and Julian Wilson. Two guys that I don't know much about, but I'm sure we will find something as they go on and start practicing with the team. Can you believe that we're just a day away from actual NFL football? No, it's right here, and you get to watch the Denver Broncos flounder a little bit for your first game of the year. 
I don't think it's going to be just a little bit, especially against the defending AFC champions. I think Carolina is going to have come out with something to prove. Yeah, that sounds about right. They they have a point to make. Uh, they limped out of that Super Bowl pretty well. So uh, everybody enjoy the kickoff to the season. And it's just a few more days beyond that when your Chiefs take the field. Hey, Chiefs Kingdom. How exciting is it that football season is actually here? We're getting ready to start the regular season, and there isn't much more of an exciting time. I want to encourage you to go get in the action and play like the pros at mybookie.net. It's the most exciting online experience for sports fans out there. MyBookie features real Vegas odds and incredible player props on every football game. If the game is already kicked off, MyBookie.net has live in games with odds updated in real time. It's never too late to make a play. It's optimized for smartphone users and for non-stop action on the go so you can access it at any time. Go online, type MyBookie in your Go online, type mybookie.net in your browser, and sign up today. Use promo code CHIEFS to be entered into their million-dollar prize pool. Or you can call 844-722-2387. Join the thousands of online players already playing. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie. Sign up today. So right now, let's go to our interview. We have Joel Thorman joining us from Arrowhead Pride. Joel, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, you don't need to be introduced. The audience knows who you are. But can you tell us a little bit about Arrowhead Pride and how long you've been running it and how it kind of got started there? Yeah, definitely, Chris Ryan. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, so Arrowhead Pride started actually by my brother uh, 10 years ago, almost to the day. I think it was the end of July um, in 2006 when we started. Um, just started it for fun. And then um, right, you know, around, like, the Chiefs were pretty bad from 06 to 08. And then uh, in 2009, you know, Carl left. The new regime came in. It was a lot of excitement. So I think that's when things started to kind of pick up with uh, Arrowhead Pride. And we started to realize, uh, you know, it could be more than just a hobby. So I've been going at uh, Arrowhead Pride full-time since, like, 2010, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, working with SB Nation, the site. Um, you know, does pretty well. We have some good, uh, some good contributors and, you know, we've had people come through and go on to get, uh, you know, jobs elsewhere, which I'm pretty proud of. And, uh, you know, we have tons of comments, uh, tons of readers. We have a really great community. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it could be a lot worse. I could have to work a real job for a living. So I absolutely love this. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I haven't like I wear shoes to mow the lawn these days, and that's it. I wear flip flops everywhere else, and you know, I can wear shorts. <laughs> that's a pretty underrated part of uh, working from home. Yeah, oh, I always, I always get a uh, kick out of your messages about what you're wearing. You know, sweatpants days. <laughs> yeah. Well, shorts day yeah. here in the shorts now, but it it becomes sweats later. I just remember from last year. Oh, yeah. Soon enough, it definitely will. So you've been doing this for about 10 years now with Arrowhead Pride. I'm sure you were watching the Chiefs long before that. We're looking at the roster right now, right before cutdowns. So we're looking at the roster right now in 2016. And like I said, you, you've been doing this for about 10 years. Uh, you know, I'm sure you were watching the Chiefs much before that. What are you thinking about this roster compared to the teams in the past? 
Boy, um, I mean, it's better than any of the Pioli Haley teams. Um, I would say, I mean, I think it's, I, I want to say it's better than even like the 03 Chiefs just because the 03 Chiefs were so unbalanced. You know, the defense struggled so much. Um, but, I mean, considering how good the offense was, I'd probably give it to the 03 team. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is the best roster in 10-plus years. Um, it does feel like one of those mid-'90s rosters, uh, you know, good running back, solid defense, pretty deep at a number of spots. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely up there uh, in recent memory of, you know, kind of how how deep the roster is. It's been really fun to watch it over the past, like, four years. You know, slowly – uh, you add a few more, um, you know, guys each year, and it gets harder and harder to make these cuts. Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10, select styles only. When you talk about the Chiefs being a team that's, you know, over the last four years, John Dorsey's built a team that four years ago, they're drafted number one overall, they take Eric Fisher, and then they go out and get a second draft of guys, uh, and they pick up seven players on the waiver wire. Obviously, that's already done with, but the team itself looks a lot stronger, and they're going to be cuts that, uh, there have already been cuts that Kansas City players have already been picked up on other teams. I think this is a much deeper roster, I have to agree with you. What uh, are your thoughts on the wide receivers this year compared to, you know, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, I mean, Macklin makes all the difference in the world. And honestly, if, if we're if we're being totally honest, as long as you got Macklin, the rest of it's probably not that important. <laughs> um, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's far and away the number one receiver. I remember when he signed, um, you know, I guess that's what, about a year and a half ago now. Uh, you know, everyone thought it was so much money. So did I. Five years, $55 million. And then after one year with him, man, it's worth it. Absolutely worth it. Uh, you know, he was he was uh, excellent. Um, if, you know, I think the biggest development this year could be, uh, you know, if Chris Conley, you know, actually takes this this extra step that we've kind of seen flashes of in preseason. If that's the case, then that's kind of another dimension uh, for the Chiefs offense that they, you know, haven't really had for a while. They really haven't had a good second receiver, um, you know, and, and – really in quite some time. Uh, so, I mean, I think that would be the biggest development. But still, you look at the offense, Macklin, Kelsey, the backs, um, you know, Jamal or Spencer Ware. Um, so, you know, your second and third receivers are really what, like the fifth options um, on the team. Uh, so, you know, as long as they got Macklin and Conley working out, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too concerned about what happens behind them. When you bring up Jamal Charles, uh, and we did see that it looks like Coach Reed says he might not be ready for week one. What is your thought process on what they do with Jamal, with Jamal Charles? Yeah, I mean, I think you need to eventually get him to a point where he can get as much work as possible um, because, the you know, uh, the Chiefs are – Jamal's a unique player, um, and – I don't think you're using him right if you only give him five to seven touches per game. So I'd like to get back to the point where Jamal is the feature back and, you know, uh, where and West are kind of feeding off of him. 
the question is how far away are we from you know Jamal being healthy enough to do that, or will he be like that all year? I I just don't know that at this point. It sure sounds like he's going to be pretty limited early on. Um, but you know I I really want to make sure that they work him back, uh, you know, kind of as much as possible. You know, be a 10 to 15 touch a game uh, player. You know, rather than uh, you know splitting it so much between West and Ware. Uh, just, just because you know, like, like I said, Jamal's so unique. He's a home run hitter. Um, you know, he he doesn't have a ton of time left in the NFL, so I'd use him as much as you can now. Assuming at some point this year he gets healthy. Yeah, he may end up being the the pepper to the wear salt here to begin with, but you got to see that that balance changes here. Hopefully, in the first quarter of the season, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I've been going through like this off season, just assuming Jamal would be back and would be fine. And then really it just felt like in the last week I kind of, you know, raised my head up and I was like, wait a minute, like he's not, he may not be ready. Um, Hold on. Yeah, exactly. So it's all kind of, uh, you know, new to me that this idea that he's, that he's going to be, you know, limited more than I thought. Um, you know, it's, it's a little surprising to me just because, you know, we, we weren't really concerned about this all, all summer long. Well, and what really is a good thing for Kansas City is they have such a depth of running backs that, don't get me wrong, Jamal Charles is a great player, he's elite. I'm not saying Spencer Ware or Chark Kendrick West can replace him, but they have talent that is good enough to play in this league and get them by at least for the first couple games uh, without having that home run threat of Charles. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like, if you had asked us, and, you know, any other, like, any time in the past eight years about Jamal Charles being gone, what that would do to the offense, I mean, you know, we would have said it, 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 it dooms them. But we all saw last year. You know, we all saw what they could do, um, what, what West and Ware can do. So, yeah, it definitely makes you feel a lot better um, that they can get you by. Uh, but, if you know, if, if the Chiefs are going to be, um, you know, if they're going to reach their ceiling offensively, they need a healthy and effective Jamal. Now, on the flip side, when you look at this roster and it's 100% and healthy, you know, you got to see a team or at least a defensive unit that's capable of being dominant. But with Justin Houston out and the the lack of development we've seen this season from D Ford and Tomba's knees and everything else, it's as we're going along, do you see anything that gives you a a positive note for the uh, pass rush? or, Or should we look to see that kind of evolve as the early season goes on? Yeah, I guess the positive would be maybe you're going to get more of a pass rush from the defensive line with Chris Jones this year. I mean, that's kind of the only thing that's looking up right now. Uh, you know, Houston's out is obviously going to be a problem for half the year or more. Um, and Tomba sure doesn't seem like the same player, um, you know, with as long as it's it's taken him to come back from this knee surgery. and He hasn't played in the preseason. Um, so I'm not really counting on a whole lot from – Tomba early on this season. He may be on a pitch count too. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of positive <laughs> with the rest of the backers. I mean, Desmond Moses, um, uh, you know, Andy Mulumba, Frank Zombo, you know, some of these guys that they, uh, that they've been working with this summer. I mean, no one really inspires, you know, that much confidence, uh, to me, especially, you know, D Ford obviously doesn't either. Um, so no, I'm not, I'm not looking uh, forward to this pass rush. 
Uh, I guess, you know, the only other positive besides Chris Jones could be that Justin Houston's going to return later and maybe he's a little more effective in the playoffs if he's, you know, if he actually comes back healthy. So, um, you know, I mean, if you're looking at the bright side, maybe that's it. Well, the secondary is a concern as well. That's one of the youngest starting groups out there. and They've come a long way. But, you know, really, you got to think Acker was brought in to give a little veteran presence to that group, right? Who was? I'm sorry. I missed, oh, Acker. Kenneth Acker. Yeah. Um, Acker? Acker? How are we saying that? Uh, he, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, he actually has some starting experience. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that stood out to me because you have, you know, uh, all, those, all those rookies. And even Philip Gaines, who is, you know, one of the veterans of the group at this point, um, has, you know, what, like a season under his belt, a little over a season under his belt. Um, so, I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're kind of assuming that Gaines is going to come back and, and be good, but we have a pretty small sample size on him, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty to be concerned about. The upside, though, is like you said, they're all young. And what do young guys do? They get better quickly. Um, there's a bigger learning curve early on in your career. You know, the, 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 the jump from week one to week 16 when you're a rookie – uh, can be significant. Look at Philip Gaines. Same thing happened to him. Um, so, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping that uh, Al Harris and Emma Thomas are going to coach the hell out of these guys and, you know, they're going to get better quickly. Well, one thing that I always look at when we when we talk about, hey, how do these guys compare to the teams of the 90s, to the Marty era and that kind of thing is, you know, you always look for having a number one corner. They got that in Peters, you know, kind of like the Dale Carter thing. But there's always somebody like Hasty back there that's got some attitude. And with all the question marks around Eric Berry's future and everything and Ron Parker being the player there he is, the, the guy that's really stood out to me this preseason uh, they might be able to bring that nastiness as Eric Murray. I think he showed it in the, in preseason four. What's your impression of him so far? Yeah, I loved that. Uh, I can't get that hit out of my mind in that Packers game where he leveled that guy and uh, gave him a little pile driver. Yeah, I mean, what's what's cool about him is that uh, um, at Minnesota, you remember the, the chief scout said that at Minnesota they considered him the toughest player on the team. Um, so, I mean, I think that says a lot. Uh, he's he's probably going to have to figure out, you know, he's going to have to find his role this first year because Barry and Parker probably aren't coming off the field. Um, and can he beat out, uh, you know, Daniel Sorensen for playing time? I mean, I think that's kind of one of the one of the big early question marks for him. But uh, with, with the way they go through, uh, you know, some of these injuries in the secondary, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have plenty of them. They're going to play all of them. So, yeah, I, mean, I think he's definitely going to help. Well, one of the things that I worry about, and I want to see what your opinion is, is that I look at the rest of the AFC West and I see a lot of teams that want to run. And I look at at the inside linebacker next to DJ and I start to shake a little bit. These guys are all athletic and they can all run to the ball, but I'm a little worried about the take on and what the run defense is going to look like. Is that a concern for you or you think the D-line makes up for it? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of a concern, but when you're looking at a young secondary and no pass crush, I mean, it just gets, you know, pushed down a little bit. And I'm kind of just guessing that, you know, this team's been a pretty good, was pretty good run D last year. Um, so I'm just, you know, I just kind of assume that they're going to get back to that area, although it was a little concerning during, uh, you know, most of the preseason, they weren't very strong um, against the run. So, yeah, I mean, I do think that's a problem, but I think the secondary is a bigger problem. I think the, Pass rush is a bigger problem than that. 
um, you know, some of the, kind of some of the key questions for out how these guys are going to pan out. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see on, on, on this other inside linebacker spot. Cause like I said about the corners earlier, the good thing about these, uh, young backers is, is that they, you know, they have a pretty high learning curve and they get better quickly, especially, uh, just in March. Now your impression generally from what you're getting from the coaching staff, it, it, it seems like there's less coach speak this year and there's a little more just kind of, Hey, we're going to see what happens because there's so many question marks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like this. Uh, I like the coaching staff. Um, you know, I was, I was telling somebody recently, um, you know, talking about the coaching staff and I said, you know, it feels like grownups are running the team when you're kind of coming from the previous regime. Um, that's what kind of stands out to me. Uh, you know, but, they are a veteran group. Um, they've been in a situation like this uh, where you've had some question marks about the team. Um, you know, they've had pretty good teams. This is probably one of the, you know, one of the better teams maybe that, uh, that they've had since, you know, those, those McNabb days in the early 2000s when they, you know, were, were going to uh, all those NFC title games. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this staff with Andy has, has been through a lot of, I've got a lot of confidence in them that, you know, they're, they're going to be able to handle most situations that are thrown at them. You know, one thing that we don't get to see enough of, in my opinion, and then I'm always looking for little tidbits. John Dorsey seems to be so even keeled about whatever goes on that you're not going to get much of a read off of him. But, you know, in your experience dealing with him and seeing more on him, do you feel like this is going according to plan? What his, his general large scope, you know, five-year plan was or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Um, you know, you can talk about little things like, you know, he didn't know the Houston injury was going down, stuff like that. Um, but overall, this team, you know, if if you went back to 2012, you told me this is probably the three years ago, and this is the expectations we'd have going into year four. Absolutely, I would have taken that, you know, 10 out of 10 times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think big picture, it is going the way that um, they thought it would. Uh you know, they always knew that without a true, you know, Brady or Manning franchise type quarterback that they're going to have to, you know, uh, manufacture uh, some points and, um, you know, some, some other ways. And I think Alex is, you know, really matured, really done a great job. I mean, I mean, the Chiefs were right about Alex. I think uh, when they, you know, when they paid him a couple of years ago, I think they kind of nailed it. Um, you know, when a lot of, a lot of big wins are coming up for John Dorsey right now. You know, LDT looks like a good guard this year. Chris Jones looks like a great pick. Marcus Peters was a great pick. Eric Fisher is getting much better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of those things that John Dorsey, you know, that, that have John Dorsey's fingerprints on it are looking pretty good right now. Yeah, and a lot of them are the, the long game type selections. I keep seeing that a lot too. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, you really got to be patient to, the Fisher pick, I mean, clearly that didn't go 100% as planned. Uh, but, you know, they kept on preaching patience. And so here we are in year four, and, and you know, you're you're kind of optimistic about Eric Fisher, you know? Well, and you had a great article, I'm trying to think, it was four or five days ago now, about Alex Smith and his contract two years later. Uh, but, yeah, 21st in the league as a QB uh, for his contract, I think that's phenomenal. I thought, you know, when they first signed it to him, I thought that was going to be the deal is that two years down the road, he's going to look like a steal, which is basically what's happening. And I think that's what, what's going to end up happening with Fisher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you look at the market, and every couple of years there's someone else who's going to reset the market. 
um, you know, and get a higher deal, uh, <clears throat> Tehran Matthew, and uh, who just did that with Barry. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, if, if Fisher continues to get better, yeah, it will look a lot better. Because what is it, ten or you know, eleven or twelve million dollars a year in new money? Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I think we'll end up being okay with that deal. Well, and yeah, and at worst case, he was going to be paid twelve million next year if he was on the roster because of the fifth year option, and if you franchise him the year after that, it's another twelve million. So, really, they didn't really give him that much more new money. It was just money that they were probably going to end up having to give him anyway if they didn't get him extended. And, oh, by the way, it's really hard to find a left tackle. <laughs> there aren't that many good ones around. Um, so the the cost of replacing him is pretty significant, too, because then you're probably talking about some draft capital, uh, you know, and I would rather spend that on another pass rusher. Well, one one last area that I want to ask you about. You've been watching the Chiefs for – I don't know how many years, but you said you've been covering them for Arrowhead Pride for almost 10. Uh, one thing that they have not done is go after a, a young QB in the first round or really early in the draft. Is that something that you expect that they'll maybe look at in the next year or two with where they are? Yeah. Um, I mean, you're going to come up to a decision point with Alex in, you know, the next year or two because, uh, you know, I think he's, only under contract through like 2018 or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like if the one thing about this Chiefs, Andy Reid and Dorsey, like you know, they're not really waiting around on the quarterback position. You know, they carry five for a while. They, you know, they've drafted two of them in three years. Uh, you know, they have, um, uh, you know, they had they had they brought Tyler Bray in too, who at the time was one of the top undrafted players and. You know, plenty of teams wanted Foles, and they got Foles. Um, you know, these these aren't these aren't twenty million dollar year franchise quarterbacks, but they're trying, and that's I mean, that's the way you got to do it. You got to throw numbers at it because the Chiefs are not going to be in a position likely anytime soon where they're going to have a top ten pick and get you know the <clears throat> one of the two best quarterbacks out of that draft class. Um, you know, they're they're, they're not going to be in that position for a while, so they're going to have to start taking. Uh, a few more risks, maybe a little higher. You know, they, they use fifth-round picks on Murray and, and Hogan. I'd like to see at some point in the next couple of years a second- or third-round pick, you know, something fairly high uh, where, where, you know, you do start to have kind of a succession plan for Alex. Well, yeah, and then you could maybe go out and get somebody like a Derek Carr or uh, – and, and I know Andy Dalton isn't looked at as a great QB, but I think he is, you know, a promising young QB in some aspects at least – uh, and, and that would allow you to get that. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say also, Alex is pretty good right now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's uh, Super Bowl caliber. But you know, you're not just gonna go out any draft year and find a quarterback better than Alex. You know, look at look at this year. Jared Goff is third string. You couldn't beat out Sean Mannion with the Rams. Sean Mannion. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> so it's no sure thing that that you're gonna hit on a guy. Um, it, you know, if you're drafting high. So, um, you know, I kind of like the Chiefs' approach of, of just throwing numbers at it. Well, once again, Joel, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, go find him on Arrowhead Pride. He does a great job always covering the Chiefs. Got multiple story, multiple new stories up every day. Really appreciate you coming on, Joel. Definitely, gang. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Take it easy. I appreciate it. That's it for us today, guys. You got all have a great day. Enjoy 
your Wednesday afternoon and just think tomorrow morning you'll have football to come home and watch tomorrow night. And we'll be back. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. We'll be right back. 